Hi, I'm Dr. Trish Santos-Smith and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to Marta Carvalblanco about the use of cannabinoids in animals. Dr. Marta Carvalblanco received her veterinary degree with honours in Spain over 25 years ago and ran her own practice with her husband for 15 years. She also worked for Hills and Royal Cannon as a small animal nutrition technician and pursued further education in homeopathy, flower essences, essential oils, food supplements and animal communication. Marta is also a certified veterinary acupuncturist and after coming to Australia in 2015, she worked as an animal naturopath and vet technician and founded her own company, Holistic Animal Naturopath. She has now been working with ECS Vet since 2019, where she's currently the head of veterinary education, helping to educate veterinary professionals about using cannabinoid medications in animals. Hi, Marta. It's so nice to have you here on the Pure Animal podcast with us. I'm so thankful that you have taken some time out of your, what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to um, talk to us today. Hi, Trish. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for offering me this opportunity. Oh, no problem at all. My pleasure. <laughs> and um, I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about the very interesting topic of cannabinoids for animals. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I was wondering if you can share with us a little bit about your career, how you became interested in becoming a vet. And what led you to follow the path that you're in now with ECS Vet? Okay. Um, well, I guess that as most of us vets, um, my story began with one of my own animals. Um, I used to have an old German Shepherd um, that, yeah, when I was a kid, was my my best friend. Let's say it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, as he got older and and he got um, sick, I decided that I was going to try to help as many animals as possible with as many resources as possible. And that's when I started thinking about becoming a vet. Um, I was also lucky enough to have a mother that really loved animals. And I remember being by her side and rescuing all sorts of wild little little animals around, little birds or, or, or cats or just whatever that would come into our hands. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that she shared that passion with me. That's, that's where I I started thinking about becoming a vet. Oh, lovely. (laughs) And then regarding how I got to ECS vet, um, it's a little bit the same. I decided at a certain stage when I finished my degree that I wanted to to learn a little bit more, Uh, not not just conventional treatments or conventional Mm -hmm. veterinary medicine. So I thought that there was a lot more um, out there that could be helping animals. And I had the experience uh, with my own daughter. So it's always related to family. It is, um, yeah. That, yeah, that she needed some help. And um, I got very, very lucky. And um, I met a doctor back in Spain um, because my, my background is Spanish. I'm from Spain. And um, 
He treated my daughter with homeopathy, natural remedies, and, and he really helped her a lot. Um, so at that stage, I started wondering what was going on with animals, if they could also benefit from all these new therapies um, that weren't used very much, but they still seemed very interesting. And, and that's where I started learning a little bit. Um, so I became certificated by IVAS in acupuncture. Mm -hmm. um, then I started learning about homeopathy, um, homeopathy, sorry, through different courses related to animals and veterinarians back in Spain, um, essential oils, um, herbs. Um, I even did a couple of courses with communication with animals, Reiki on animals. So getting a little bit farther, not, not just staying uh, backwards, on what we could really achieve. And um, that's why I started thinking about some other types of, of medications and therapies. Um, but I might admit that it wasn't until I came to Australia, like seven years ago, um, that I started hearing and working with CBD. Um, so it was thank you to a friend that she... Yeah, she told me about the uses of CBD on humans and if they could maybe help animals. And then I started digging a little bit about it. And I got in contact with some nice associations in South America um, that are working with cannabinoids and, and they do have members. Um, so I got in contact with them and I started learning a lot more and I started using cannabinoids mixed with essential oils. That was mm -hmm. my first step. Right. And um, yeah, as time went by, I just got more and more engaged with, with uh, the CBD itself or cannabinoids, not, not just CBD, um, but yeah, cannabinoids in general. And um, it was, uh, I think it was uh, in 2000, because I first arrived in Darwin, Mm -hmm. um, but in 2019, just before the COVID, I moved over to Brisbane, where is where I'm based now. Um, and I was working there as a technician, but then everything with the COVID situation started and I found myself staying at home a lot of time. Um, so I decided to go back and start working with animals on my own. And I found out about a company that at that stage was working only for humans, which was Scanet Group. And I decided to get in contact with them and find out about products with a really high quality um, that I could be using on my animals. And this is for and the cannabinoids? Exactly. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and that was the starting of me getting engaged with the, uh, yeah, with a company working with medicinal cannabinoids for humans that, were, that then we started using on animals. And that was the beginning of ECS bed. And that's where you are now. <laughs> yeah, that's where I am now. So a little bit of longer story, but I guess, yes, I have had enough time to do a few things. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I always ask our guests um, how they started and how uh, what made them pursue this path um, because it's everyone has their own story, but it is, like you said, quite common to develop that from personal experience. So they mm -hmm. either have a pet or a child um, where they mm -hmm. seeked um, like a holistic approach yeah. and then they went, 
well, why can't I apply this to pets? So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I guess we all think the same. And and at the end, um, especially uh, the animals are more and more part of the family each day. So um, I guess that every one of us started using all these type of therapies on our own animals, same way as our families are already using them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Thank you, Marta. So as I mentioned before, we're chatting about a topic that's becoming more and more popular, which is the use mm-hmm. of cannabinoids in pets. So uh-huh. first of all, I wanted to start with the basics. So are you able to explain to us what cannabinoids are and the different types that are available? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first thing that I would like to do, um, if you don't mind, is introducing what is the endocannabinoid system Mm -hmm. and what we are talking about um, in in order to be able to see, okay, then that's why we are having different cannabinoids. So the endocannabinoid system is a system that we all animals, and I say all animals because we are also animals, humans Mm -hmm. are also animals. So we all animals do have within our bodies. And it's a new system that was discovered just a few years ago, like like 40 years ago. So that's quite a long time. Yeah. And and what is amazing is that this system has been there and working with us for all our life. Um, Now, the funny thing about this system is that we do have some molecules within our bodies, which are called endocannabinoid system that we produce as we need them. And that happens when we go under any stressful situation. It doesn't matter if it's a physical stress or if it's a psychological stress. Mm -hmm. So that's the moment when we start producing those molecules called endocannabinoids. Now, um, as you said, there are different types. Um, The most renowned one are a couple of molecules, but there are a lot of research about them, which are called anandamide and 2-alkylglycerol. Those are the two main ones, but there are many others. Um, And the relation with the phytocannabinoids is Phytocannabinoids are molecules which are very, very similar to the ones that we produce, Mm -hmm. but those phytocannabinoids are produced in plants, not only on the the cannabis plants, that's the main one, and it's the one that has a lot more cannabinoids than the others, but there are many other plants like the the echinacea plant that Mm. also do have some cannabinoids. Right. Um, so those phytocannabinoids, and yes, the, the more renowned one are the CBD and the THC, maybe. There are lots mm-hmm. of studies in regards to them, but they are not the only ones. They are very, very similar to our own endocannabinoids, and they are capable to interact with some receptors that we do have within our system, and they are capable to behave in a very similar way. So that's that's a little bit in a very, very short way or quick way. Uh, what we are talking about. Now, we have to keep in mind, and that's very interesting, and that's where I think the future is going, um, that there are at the moment like over 150 cannabinoids recognized in the cannabis plant. Right, okay. And we are just working with two of them. Yeah, I was going to say, I've only heard of two. (laughs) So that, that means that there is still a long pathway to, to keep going to understand a lot more about the other cannabinoids. So it's just more, um, more research that needs to be done on the other exactly, ones to find out what ex- they do? 
Exactly, absolutely. That's the main thing. Is is I usually try to compare it like I don't know if like if we think that we suddenly discover the secretory system, and it was just done like 40 years ago. At this stage, we would just know that probably we have a pump. We can call it heart or whatever, but we have a pump that is distributing some type of fluid around our body, mm-hmm. and that would be it mainly. So that's a little bit the same, obviously thinking that we have a lot more resources than we had a few years ago. Um, but yeah, we are just at, at the start of understanding and, and really um, learning how this system works and how those molecules work. Okay. And then from the limited knowledge that I have between THC and CBD is that they also have different actions. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think the common one that most people would know that THC can have some psychoactivity yeah, um, yeah. action. Yeah, you are right. Um, so the main thing is I always try to to focus and to tell everybody, okay, when we are talking about cannabinoid medications, we are talking about that, about medications. And we are trying to focus on the uh, on the benefits and the, the good effects, let's say that way, that these molecules do have. Mm-hmm. Um, the THC is a molecule that has some psychoactivity effect. That's right, it's true. But it also has some benefits and some effects, really good effects on certain circumstances. Uh, like when we have a lot of uh, pain or a lot of inflammation, very strong, um, the THC is a molecule that is capable to react very quickly, uh, very in a very powerful and strong way against that inflammation and that pain. So it's a very mm-hmm. interesting molecule to use. Now, as everything else, as everything else is a matter of doses or concentration of what mm. we are using. The same molecule, but that happens, as I said, with everything. Um, the same molecule, it can be a poison or it can be a medication. And it's the same with the THC. So I always like to say, okay, we are talking about the medication, not about the recreational side of the molecule, which at the end, and if you think about it, that recreational side of the molecule, it's only for humans. Yeah, yeah. Animals do not have that that intention at all. So it's mainly focusing on the medication side where we are really going to have the benefit that we are looking for. Um, so the THC does have that, that psychoactivity effect. Um, the CBD does not. And the good thing also is that the CBD, because of the way it joins the receptors of the body and because of the way it links to those receptors, is capable to change the shape of one of those receptors, um, which is called an allosteric modulation way of acting. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, it changes the shape of the receptor and then the THC cannot link that receptor, cannot bind right. those, those receptors, which is very interesting because those receptors are mainly in the brain and in the neurological system um, so those are the ones that are really uh, related with that psychoactivity effect of the THC. Right. Okay. So when we combine both of them, CBD plus THC, we can have the CBD counteracting the psychoactivity effect of the THC. Right. Yes. Okay. Because that was going to be my next question. So if you have a product where you have both... Um, exactly. But the CBD is 
going to change the receptors so the THC can't bind to those receptors. Exactly. Exactly. So it would be counteracting that effect on the CD1 receptors, which are the ones on the brain, and it would let the the THC be more available to the CD2 receptors. So, um, sorry, because that's something I didn't explain before. We mainly talk about two different receptors. There are plenty more, but the two more um, recognized are the CB1 and CB2 receptors. And the CB1 receptors are mainly in the brain mm-hmm. and mainly in the neurological system, while the CB2 receptors are mainly on all the immunological cells. On all of them, all the immunological system cells, they are present in those. Um, so we are when we are binding the CBD into the uh, sorry the, the CBD into the CB1 receptors, we are letting the THC uh, go ahead and join the CB2 receptors and being able to work as an anti-inflammatory uh, regulator and as an anti uh, or analgesic molecule. And then reducing. The psychoactivity effects exactly, that it might have. Exactly, that's the idea. In fact, in humans, um, uh, I, I don't, I haven't had the chance to give it a try on animals. Um, as far as I can know, some of our colleagues in South America have tried, and that's what they are suggesting and, and recommending to do. But in humans, it has been proved that you can use CBD as an antidote for THC. Right. Okay. Okay, so that's 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 very interesting. Yeah, well, that makes sense based on what you just explained. Exactly, so. absolutely. Um, it's also very interesting, even though you are going to be doing a titration with the molecules. Um, it's also true that the animals usually respond better when you have a little mix of THC with CBD mm-hmm. than when you are using just CBD isolated. Right. Okay. So ideally, you would want a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the point. Um, now it's true that depending on the country and depending on the legislation, the amount of THC that you are going to be using might differ. Okay. Right. Um, like here in Australia, uh, at the moment, and that's also in animals, only in animals, it's not the same for humans, but in animals, we are only allowed to use up to 2% of THC. Right. Combined with 98% of CBD. Right. And is there an ideal percentage to get the most benefit out of that combination? Uh, yeah, as I said, the, depending on the case or the, what I think, what I have seen with, uh, with with some other colleagues in South America and lots of research, um, a really nice rate would be one-to-one. Okay. So 50% of CBD, 50% of THC. Um, obviously, and that's something that we have to think about because the THC is true that is the most risky molecule, let's say that way, CBD on its own has no psychoactivity effect mm-hmm. at all. Um, we always need to calculate the dose that we are going to be using based on the THC. Right. Okay. All right. And and also, um, uh, besides using, uh, even if we use one-to-one rate um, CBD THC, under certain circumstances, and um, I would say like, 
at the later stage or at the end of, of the life of some animals when they are under very um, difficult situations like, like palliative care um, with cancer or some other problems, some other really important issues, um, you could even increase the THC up to uh, 20 to 1 THC CBD ratio. Oh, okay. Um, but but obviously keeping in mind that that might be just for a few days and just thinking in a in a higher quality of life. Right. Okay. So it's a little bit on a case by case basis. What yeah. the ideal mix would be. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so at the moment, currently. Um, we are only allowed to use the 2%, as I said, uh, with 98% of CBD. Um, now, there are different products out there on the market which are called either full spectrum or broad spectrum, if we are talking about that 98 2%. And that's here in Australia because there are other countries where uh, the, 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 the percentage goes to 97% and then they allow to have 3% of other molecules. But in any case, um, here in Australia, you can see some products that are called full spectrum mm-hmm. or broad spectrum. Um, the truth is that I don't like to call them that way. I yeah. usually like to call them like complex products because it's true that you never have absolutely all the molecules. So you don't really have absolutely a full spectrum product Um, because some of the molecules, some of the cannabinoids, like for example, the THCA, which is the acid form of the THC, they transform into each other so quickly that you won't even find them. Or if you find them, they are going to be in such small amounts that they are not significant at all. That's why I don't want, or I don't like to call them full spectrum. But the truth is that the market is the terminology that is using. So full spectrum are usually products that use the full plant and they use 98% of CBD, as I said, and 2% of a complex um, a complex combination of molecules, not just THC, but some other cannabinoids, some other terpenoids, flavonoids, some other molecules. But they always, always have a little bit of THC. Okay. Now, broad spectrum products, they do have the same combination, 98% of CBD and 2% of other molecules, but they do not include THC. Oh, okay. So the difference is that the broad spectrum doesn't have any THC at all. Exactly. Now, in my experience, um, and I mean, uh, after all the research that I have done and been in contact with a few some other colleagues, um, the truth is that the THC is really, really helpful. And even if we use it in very, very tiny amounts, it's still capable to how would I say, reinforce or support mm-hmm. the work that the other molecules do. So I always suggest to use, if possible, full spectrum instead of broad spectrum. Okay. And then is there another type called isolate? Yeah, but that isolate then is only one of the molecules. Again, here in Australia, we are only allowed to use for animals CBD isolated, but you could have any isolated molecule. You could have THC, you could have any other cannabinoid just as a single molecule. Um, And that's what is recognized as isolated. Um, Now, the main difference on when to use one or when to use the other, as I said, I usually like to work with full spectrum 
um, for different reasons. First of, first of all, is because the combination of those molecules, um, they do what we call entourage effect. And the entourage effect means that when you are working with all those molecules, instead of being an additive effect, like two plus two means four, they do have a synergistic effect. Mm. So instead of two plus two, four, it would be two plus two, eight or yeah. nine, depending <laughs> yeah. on the case and depending on the animal. Um, so that's that's very interesting because you would be able to use a lower dose of that medication than if you are using the isolated. Um, also, it has been seen in humans, not so much in animals, but again, I, I guess that is because we don't have enough research so far. Mm. And we don't have enough references so far. But it has been described in humans that after a long time of using um, the CBD isolated, the body gets used to it and you right. need to do sort of a reset. Right, okay. And do you do so a reset by sort of stopping and starting over or, or ex- using like exactly. a full spectrum, changing it? No, no, you should need to make a break, stop for one week, week and a half, and then restart again. Uh, But that happens with the isolated. It doesn't happen so much with the full spectrum. That's also another reason why I recommend to use the full spectrum. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. It does. And then (laughs) the, the next question would be, and then what do you use the isolate for? Because if you're using full spectrum and you recommend to use full spectrum, what's happening with the isolated? Well, the isolate, I usually recommend to use it if you're going to be doing a very short treatment and mainly related with behavioral issues. Right, okay. And why with behavioral issues? And when I'm talking about behavioral issues, it might be even just introducing a new furry family member in the family when you already have a couple more of them um, and you don't want them to get very anxious or, or, or to get, you know, a little bit uh, afraid of scared of, of each other. So you might use a little bit of CBD to support them and allow them to have a better interaction. Um, so in those cases where you're going to be using it just for a short period of time, you could be using just the isolated. Um, also, if you are going to be adding your own terpenes on your own, some precise ones that you want to use, I would recommend to use the isolated so that you know exactly what you are working with. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking about terpenes, I mean essential oils. Right. Because the terpenes are those molecules that are present in the plants, in all the plants, which gives them the smell, gives them the color, different aspects of the plants. And we do have them in all the plants. Like um, you can see, for example, there is an, an a terpene, which is in the cannabis plant, which is the linalool. And lavender plant, an essential oil of lavender, is mm-hmm. very high in linalool. Right, okay. Or you can have another one, which is the beta-carophyllene, which is a terpene, which is in black pepper and also in a plant from from Brazil, from South America, Mm. called copaiba. So the copaiba oil is very, very high in beta-carophyllene. And beta-carophyllene is a very interesting terpene that is also in the cannabis plant. Um, And it's the only terpene recognized to behave as a cannabinoid because it can link and it can join the CB2 receptors and behave in a similar way as the CBD does. Right, okay. So you can use the isolated CBD 
and add any of those essential oils. And that's the, that's the first way I started working with the CBD. Mm-hmm. I used to work with it as if it was an essential oil. So I would add a little bit of uh, lavender oil, a little bit of copaiba oil, a little bit of frankincense, and also a little bit of CBD oil. Right. And that, that would be one of my mixes to use under certain circumstances with the animals. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's another use that I wasn't really aware of. <laughs> <laughs> that's another use. <laughs> and then um, the only thing that I would keep in mind and that I would be a little bit um, careful with is in case you have an animal which is a little bit aggressive. And in that case, I would also use the isolate and not the full spectrum. Uh, why now, is that? Yeah, but that's not related to the THC. I have had a few vets asking me, so why because of the THC? No, it's mainly because of the other terpenes and some of the other cannabinoids. The CBDA, which is the acid form of the CBD, mm-hmm. sometimes, not always, but sometimes might increase a little bit the anxiety. Oh, and okay. some terpenes like the limonene, which is also part of the cannabis plant, um, they are they are it's a terpene that mainly promotes a little bit of courage to the animal. So it's very much used with animals that um, are undergoing depression or are very, very shy, these type of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you use this terpene on animals which are a little bit going ahead and a little bit aggressive, you might potentiate that um, yeah, that right. behavior. Might get so worse. that's that's the reason why you would mainly use isolated on those cases. Okay. Well I think that's that's very important to know. Um, yeah. you know, for I vets. Think, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tip. Um, just to keep in mind. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great information. Now, I just wanted to quickly just go back to um, the receptors in the endocannabinoid system because um, mm-hmm. from attending one of your lectures, I remember you saying something about different species having different numbers of receptors. Yeah. And yeah, that's... yeah how it can, you know, you, you got to sort of work out your dose because it might have more of a effect in some species than others. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. can, can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, you just read my mind because I was going to tell you right now about it. Fantastic. <laughs> That's great. So, yes, as, I, as, as you just said, the different species have different numbers of receptors and they might have higher levels of, of, of some of them and therefore be more sensitive to different types of molecules. Um, so like in the case of the cats, they have less receptors than dogs. So, so they are a little bit less sensitive to these molecules, which means that you usually need to use a higher doses mm-hmm. on cats. Um, but also if you go, for example, on the contrary to rabbits or murines, hamsters, guinea pigs, these type of animals, mm-hmm. they're very, very sensitive to THC. We are not 100% sure if it is related with the numbers of receptors, but it seems that's the case. Um, the point is that they are very, very highly sensitive to THC, and therefore you cannot use full spectrum with these type of animals. So on rabbits, murine, guinea pig, always use isolated. Okay, that's that's good to know. Yeah. So and it, it's good too because then with the difference in cats, I suppose people would might think you know you just give cats less. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you know yeah. size wise. <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> a, a few vets. Well, I'm already giving him this amount, and even though it's working, it's not as much as I thought. And I said, yeah, you need to increase it. Yeah, you are you are talking about a cat, not about a dog. Or it's like in birds. In birds, the doses are very similar, but because of their metabolism, you need to use it several times a day. Right. Um, we usually recommend to use it a couple times a day, but you can use it with no problem three or even four times a day, depending on the specific case. Mm, like I have had a few animals that they might use it twice a day usually, and then after certain circumstances, we use it three times a day. Well, with birds, it's the similar. You need to use it at least three or four times a day because of their metabolism. Right. Okay. So it sounds like it's all very species and case specific. It is. In this case, it is. But I guess that as many other um, natural therapies, like if you think a little bit in acupuncture, Mm -hmm. it's exactly the same. You need to really try to end to each specific animal, to each specific case, to decide what you're going to be using. Um, So because of my previous experience with acupuncture, I do find it fascinating how well they got along together, acupuncture and the use of cannabinoids, mm-hmm. and how they match each other very, very much in the sense that you really need to be, um, yeah, working with them on each single specific case. Right. Okay. And um, so now that we kind of have an idea of how it, it it all works and we've spoken about how, you know, it depends what conditions you're treating. So what other clinical applications for CBD in or cannabinoids in dogs and yeah. cats. I know there's many, but yeah, yeah. if you can go over sort of the most common that we would reach out to some cannabinoids yeah. for, like, that would be like great. For, for dogs, the most common one is usually related with pain and inflammation, mm-hmm. um, especially on all animals. It does work really well. Um, so any sort or type of um, osteoarthritis, mm-hmm. hip dysplasia, um, anything related with pain, it does work really well. Um, also on cats, for example, uh, it does work really well to calm them down, to 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 help them feeling a little bit more relaxed and chill. Um, so in cases of cats, I usually recommend it as part of the protocol in the case of fluid. Mm-hmm. in lower urinary tract disease, I always recommend to add right. the CBD as part of the protocol with any other medication, always. Um, also on dogs, on epilepsy, I always recommend to work with CBD. Um, either adding it to other medications or just on its own, depending on the case. Um, dogs with anxiety, it works amazingly. Right. Or, okay. or cats starting with a little bit of dementia that start mowing at nighttime and it's a little bit difficult for the owners to keep them, uh, you know, calm and everything else. Um, in those cases, it does really help. Um, so like cognitive dysfunction cases? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is one circumstance that I, I mean, in my experience and after talking with many, many vets, they usually tell me the same. It's a wonderful medication to work with animals that are already having lots of issues, mm-hmm. but it seems like you don't really get to achieve what you are really looking for. It's like you get you get a good effect with all the medications that you're using, but it's like you don't really reach the 100% of, of what you were expecting. Um, in those situations, 
these, these type of molecules do help to regulate and to balance the entire system. And for some reason, those medications start doing a much better work. So when you have lots of issues, especially on all animals, I also recommend to add a little bit of cannabinoids, a little bit of right. CBD into it. So adding it in addition to any other medication that they might be on or as a sole I usually recommend to add it on top of other medications, mm -hmm. um, depending on the case. Now, it is true that, for example, if you're already using some other pain reliefs or some other non-steroidal medications and you have an old animal and you don't want to keep on risking because of the use of those medications, obviously CBD is a really nice alternative to that. And the idea is to add it and then slowly keep increasing the CBD as you decrease the other medications in case you want to swap from one to the other. But in many other circumstances, you can work with the CBD as, as any other drug, part of a multimodal treatment, mm -hmm. and just add it a little bit, a small amount, to get that effect and that synergistic effect with many of the other molecules to add on top of whatever you are using. Right. And... So that, I suppose, brings me to my next question. Are there any interactions with any other drugs? Are there sort of there any cases where you would not recommend? Um, the, the, you have to keep in mind that the CBD does work through the, through the liver enzymes and it does work through the cytochrome P450. So I would say that approximately 70, 80% of the medications are going to have some sort of interaction with the CBD. Now, the truth is that even though you have that interaction, what you really need to achieve or what you really need to know is what is the metabolism of those other molecules so that when you combine them with the CBD and CBD usually um, reduces the metabolism through the P450 um, cytochrome, what you have to do is to know exactly what is going on and you might need to either use a very small amount of CBD mm -hmm. or reduce the other medication. Right, just depending trying to find on a the balance. Case. Uh, the only, probably, probably the only medication that uh, I, I wouldn't use with CBD and, and again, even if you use it on very small doses, very small amounts, and you can control the side effects, um, you can still use it, are probably steroids. Mm -hmm. I don't like to combine steroids with, with okay. cannabinoids. All right, fair enough. Um, I mean, I suppose doses would depend on on each case, but there, mm -hmm. there's always dif there's different routes as well of administration because um, yeah. I've heard you talk about topical use. Um, mm -hmm. So can you let us know like which... You know, what are the different routes and when do you recommend um, yeah. to use them? Uh, so, so mainly, and we are talking about animals again in mm -hmm. this case, uh, they would mainly be oral route or topical use. You can also use um, inhalation, but oh. it's not been a lot used, at least here in, in, in Australia. I do have a few colleagues using um, THC when an animal, when a cat comes in with an asthmatic crisis. So they use an uh, inhaler with a little bit of THC and it does work really well, really amazing. Mm. Um, but here in Australia, we would mainly be working with oral or topical products. Um, and the topical products, you would mainly use them uh, either for skin issues, rash, or, or any other issue within the skin. 
Um, you could also use it for wound healing. Uh, I also recommend to use it when you have um, sarcoma or some sort of cancer mm-hmm. to use it topically along as using it orally. Okay. So in those cases, I usually recommend to combine both roots. Okay. That's what I was um, going to ask, if you do both or if you just do one. Yeah, in, in, in those cases, I usually try to use both. Also, in those cases in particular, it's because I always try to get as much THC in as possible and because at the moment we are not allowed to use any THC for animals other than that little 2% amount Mm -hmm. in order to achieve or to get as much THC as possible, I try to use it everywhere. I try to use it locally so that the combination of CBD and THC can really reach the, the cells, the cancer cells on a topical way, but also from the, from the inside. Um, in a systemic way. So I usually try to use as much CBD amount as possible. Okay. All right. Now, I know we, we've spoken about what can, we can, um, products well, we can use for CBD and, um, mm-hmm. and THC, but just so it's clear, you know, especially for vets that are wanting to prescribe CBD for their um, mm-hmm. Patients, mm-hmm. Um, what is the le- legislation, the regulation? What what are the rules for the vets to be able to prescribe, and where can they get cannabinoids from to treat yeah. their pets? Well, so so the, the the thing is, the legislation in Australia is very clear for animals. At the moment, currently, we are only capable to access S four cannabinoid medications. And I said purely because um, I applied last year to the TGA mm-hmm. requesting and asking for the vets to be able to access S8 medications, same way as humans are, because humans are allowed to use CBD THC one to one rate or some other rates proportions of THC with CBD. And and I think they could be very, very useful for animals too and for us mm-hmm. vets. And and we as vets, we have been using S8 medications for many years. So we do know how to work with them and we do know how to control those type of medications. Um, so I applied to the TGA uh, last year. Um, we had a negative response a couple months ago. Oh. Um, but then even though we had a negative response, we were capable to forward more information and again reply to that negative decision. And the good thing is that we have just recently been informed that the final decision, which was supposed to be done at the beginning of this month, is not going on yet. It's not ready oh, yet. They are still, okay. they are still getting some in delays. With, yeah, <laughs> they are still getting in contact with some other people to get a little bit more knowledge and take a final decision. So fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. I do hope that that means that maybe we might be able to have a little bit more access to these medications. Yes, we'll see how it goes. That would be fantastic. I think that's what we're all hoping for. <laughs> Yeah, that that would be really helpful, and it would be really a, a, a something making a difference for the animals. I think really they deserve it. So that's that's my goal, the animals themselves. Um, but in any case, at the moment, we are only allowed to use S four medications. Those S four medications needs to be under veterinary prescription. Mm-hmm. So any owner or any uh, person accessing medications for the animals, this type of medications for the animals, if they don't have a prescription 
um, they are not accessing these medications in a legal way. And also, obviously, if they are getting it, I don't know, from black market or any other um, resources, they won't have their veterinary support. Um, So in any case, um, I always recommend any owner to get in contact with their vets and ask them about this this possibility of getting a prescription. And for the vets, just let them know that if they have a patient or an owner using these medications and they are not regulated, um, that's a little bit of of an issue, an illegal issue, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only way for the vets is to um, access these medications through prescriptions. Now, the problem is that they're not registered medications for animals. Not at all. Right. Uh, the only way for vets to to access these medications and the only way um, uh, the vets can prescribe is either prescribing a single product, which is called a PDLX, that is for human use, and is the only one that so far is just CBD and is registered. Right. Okay. Other than that, the only other option, practical option, would be ordering it to a compounding pharmacy. So you can order it to a compounding pharmacy, specifically ask what you are looking for, as you would do for any other mm-hmm. medication, and make it be in compound for you. Right. Now, in that sense, what I usually recommend is to uh, be sure who you are working with. I would recommend you to reach a compounding pharmacy that is specialized in this type of compounds, uh, cannabinoid compounds, um, a, a pharmacy that can really provide a certificate of analysis of the products that they are using, and um, that in order that you know there is a product that you can really trust and you can really rely on. Those would be the two main circumstances that I would think about. And specialized uh, pharmacy compound. Um, compounding pharmacy, sorry, and um, that you can trust and you can know what they are really using. Yeah. That would be one thing. And the last option, but it's not practical at all, is requesting a special permit from the APVMA in order to be able to bring a product from overseas. Um, Now, in order to do that, the product that you're bringing from overseas would need to be a product registered for animal use. And at the moment, there are not many around the world. No, right. And I can imagine that would be a lengthy process as well. Yeah, and also you would need to order it or you would need to apply for that permit every time that you want to ask for or you want to order one of those products. Right. So you cannot apply and say, okay, I'm going to order 20 bottles. No, you need to apply for one bottle, for one single animal under certain circumstances and then apply for that permit. Yeah, not practical at all. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Well, Marta, thank you so much. We're getting close to time now. So is there anything else that we haven't covered today that you might want to share with us? Um, Well, the the, the main thing that I would say to everyone is that this is a new world to discover. I think this this is a new therapy that can be really, really helpful for the animals. It does have a lot of value when we add it into our protocols. And and I think and I would recommend every vet to really have a look at it because it might really help their, their patients. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Marta. It's just been a pleasure talking to you and it's been very informative and I'm sure everyone is going to take a lot away from this podcast. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for inviting me and for having me over. It has been a pleasure to have some time to share with you. This was the Pure Animal Podcast and I'm Dr. Trish Santos-Smith. If you enjoyed our chat with Marta Calvo-Blanco today, then please feel free to jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review. 